Welcome to I Have Some Notes, Side Notes Edition, where we talk about general pop culture and don't focus on a particular movie. I am your temp host, Scott Bourgeois, Scott C. Bourgeois. That is your name. My name is Greg Beaver, and with us is the venerable Jeff Samsonow. Hello. <laughs> the less venerable <laughs> Sally Paulson. This, this episode has already started out. Very silly. Yeah, we were uh, we were getting warmed up for this episode uh, backstage before we came out in front of the microphones and all you wondrous listeners. And uh, yeah, we're off to a silly start. May have had a few drinks. Not gonna lie, <laughs> the <laughs> green room was fully stocked. A few scotchy scot scotches. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're gonna talk about just some general pop culture stuff. Uh, I'm I'm gonna start. Wait, before that, okay, we have to talk about the podcast network that we're right. A part of, right, we are part of. The Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB Financial. Uh, there was a big launch party yeah. for the Alberta Podcast Network. Uh, it was well attended. A lot of great and exciting podcasts are part of this network. You should check it out. Yeah. Where can I check it out? Where can you check it out? You can check it out, Sally, <laughs> at uh, the Alberta Podcast uh, Network.com. Uh, and uh, you can also listen to all of the podcasts on the network through the CKUA uh app yeah correct cool. we just got added there so very cool actually yeah so uh now officially i'm gonna start things off please do uh the day that we record this the new blade runner movie is coming out blade runner 2049 uh my wife anita and i were going to go see it last night for opening night and then we realized it is almost three hours long Oh boy! Oof. It is much longer than we expected, and as we have a small child who is with his grandmother last night, we didn't want to be picking him up at 11 p.m. That was a terrible <laughs> idea. We are going to make a point to see it, though, because it has been getting some stellar early reviews, yeah. and I was a little worried, I'm not going to lie. Like, who makes a sequel of a cult hit 20 years later? Like, Successfully. Yeah. Successfully, And then it yeah. turns out Denis Villeneuve does it. And uh, kudos to a Canadian director who is really starting to stand out as an auteur director. So I'm really excited to see it and uh, support his work. And uh, I hope everyone else is, too. Question, what did you? What are your thoughts on the original Blade Runner? Because I watched it uh, recently. Like, I had never seen it. I didn't see it in the 80s. Uh, and I was not, like, I love the aesthetic of it. And that's kind of it. <laughs> I think here's the thing. That's <laughs> a common sentiment I've heard from people who've seen it more recently. Yeah. Um, people like me who saw it. I didn't see it in the 80s. Admittedly, I was still pretty young then. But in like the 90s, earlier on in its existence, when it was first kind of hitting cult status. Love it. Can't even explain exactly why. Just, I just I like the aesthetic. I like the story. I like the characters. Love it. But people who uh, I know who've seen it more recently are all like. I don't get it. I don't get what the love is for it. And I don't know if it's just that it hasn't aged well and maybe I have the nostalgia for it or if it's that it's at the point where it's kind of overhyped. Like people are all like, oh, you haven't seen Blade Runner? It's such a classic. You have to see it. And you're like, oh, this must be a great movie. Yeah. And you go see it and you're like, I don't even know what just happened. Like, and could yeah. it also depend on, because there's different versions, different I was just going to mention that. And stuff. So maybe like that's, and that's so weird, right? That it depends on which version or you know, cut of the movie you saw that some people legitimately could love it and legitimately could not really like it. That that's actually okay with this movie. Yeah, it's it's almost daunting to approach it now, just because there are so many different versions, and I'm kind of like, well, 
which one is the good one? Like, which one should I be watching? I'm not even <laughs> not even entirely certain. I feel like it hasn't aged well. Like, that's like uh, MacGyver was my favorite show when I was a kid around the same time. And it uh, it doesn't hold up, surprisingly. <laughs> sorry, they, Ma- sorry, MacGyver. Aren't they rebooting MacGyver too? They did reboot they it. They did. Oh, no. Not to the same critical acclaim from what would... I understand. I have not seen new MacGyver. Yikes. He had a young, sexy son, baby MacGyver. <laughs> <laughs> Angus Jr. Yes, his name was Angus. Excellent. Excellent trivia. I am aware of some MacGyver (laughs) trivia. I think, aren't they doing a MacGruber sequel? Oh, see that I would pay big money to see. Yeah. That was kind of like the reboot of MacGyver as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) I mean, it's an inherently like quite silly premise to begin with, like a lot of 80s uh, television shows and, you know. Knight Rider is just a guy with a talking car. Like, yeah. The car didn't even do much special. Just talk to him. (laughs) But you know, and once per once per episode, it could go super fast or something. Like, <laughs> ooh, technology—that's the special effects budget. Yeah. We're gonna go real fast. <laughs> Mystery solved. But like your your point about MacGruber sort of being the reboot of MacGyver. I mean, we sort of saw that style. I mean, MacGruber is a little more kind of heightened comedy, but like you know, with you know Starsky and Hutch and yeah. Twenty One Jump Street, like Baywatch. they kind of took it. Baywatch. They kind of took it in like more of a comedic direction than those shows originally were. So it's it's I don't think that's crazy to say that MacGruber is kind of a reboot of MacGyver. Yeah. I think what we've decided is that there should be a MacGruber TV show. And it's like well, now well, I don't know I, it's that. canon. It's part of MacGyver <laughs> canon now, I yeah. think is what we've decided. <laughs> that, that is it well. It should mix in somehow. Yeah. I'm not sure how long you can stretch out that premise like like the the MacGyver parody premise for like an entire TV show. It's like, have you seen this uh, this new Netflix show that they just put out, which is basically, it's it's sort of like a parody of uh, Making a Murderer and those oh, type yeah. of American shows American in, Vandal. in yeah. the high school, where it's just like a guy drawing dicks. And I was like, I was like, that ah, that's a funny comedic trailer. Like I thought it was like a funny or die thing, and then like it's an actual full series, which is insane. Have you watched it? I well, yeah, no, I haven't. And maybe I should before I judge it, but I don't it just know. seems like insane. <laughs> like I, I almost don't want to waste my time with it because I just kind of feel like I would get bored with it pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a one-note premise, but yeah, so it'll speak to someone, I'm sure. <laughs> that's probably that's well, basically Netflix Netflix's model, you know. Yeah, we just we'll just throw as much content at them as possible. Something will stick. What's well, the worst Netflix movie you've seen of? Netflix movie? Yeah, Ooh, I haven't watched any original Netflix movies because most of them tend to look pretty terrible i'm not gonna lie <laughs> uh so i don't i don't know that i've seen a particularly bad one because i can't think of one that i've watched we watched that sci-fi one with emily mortimer is that the one with the guy from how i met your mother <laughs> which, which guy like the main guy from how i met no, your mother uh, what's his name uh jason siegel no oh he's, he's in a science fiction movie oh that one with robert redford yeah. where oh yeah one's killing with themselves emily it, uh, it's like a it, the one with Emily Mortimer is more like it's kind of like almost like a video game turned to life. I can't. Whoa, God, what is it called? It's basically like it's like this idea of like uh, ghosts are like infecting this war zone or something like that. Okay. And like whenever they touch someone, like they immediately die. It's probably as good as any you know D level action movie could be. Like any. <laughs> so. Uh, that's, I think that's about the only one. Most of them, like you, like you, Scott, like I don't really watch them because they just they look like uh, you know uh, asylum pretty, flicks. Yeah, yeah. basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
It's just transmorphers. And the and the unlike the delivery model just doesn't work for me. Like Yeah, like Netflix is more movies. for, for want, TV. Yeah. Yeah. I want the pomp and circumstance of a theatrical release. That makes it feel more like a movie to me. And that's maybe really? just a product of my upbringing, I guess. Just but yeah. There is something different about seeing a movie in the theater than watching it at home. Well, and we are trained as as kids like to basically assume that anything that didn't make it to theater was crap. Right? Because anything that yeah. got just a straight DVD release, uh, you're just like, oh, that was just a DVD release. Who cares? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's Which in is the bargain basement. Which is because there are some good straight to DVD movies. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And it's also keeping Steven Seagal in Steven Seagal money. That's right. I didn't want to say that it was pointing at my crotch, but. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Sally was having some limp microphone <laughs> problems. There are drugs probably, that can help you with that. Probably heard her stomach gurgling for the last three minutes. <laughs> I tried to do that silently, but I guess we're just going to talk about it. <laughs> Sorry, Greg. You guys are all pros. But we all knew what you were doing. <laughs> you, could, you could cut this part out. We'll see if it makes it into the I final guess. edit. I wasn't sure what to uh, do. I kept leaning I, over. I don't edit. <laughs> That's the magic Everything of this podcast. Everything is gold. Everything stays Everything in. Everything is needed. Hacks like you do more than yeah. one take. <laughs> Yeah, I'm the, what's his name? I'm the Tony Danza podcast. <laughs> the one take Tony. Oh, dear. I uh, I have tried to watch some older movies in Netflix to sort of like, I don't know, expose myself to cinema's great movies. And some of them have been okay. Um, some of them have been not good. Uh, and some of them I've sort of watched and been like, I don't get it. Like, I watched Butch Sundance and or Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. It was all right. And then I watched The Godfather recently, and it was awful. And I'm like, why? Why is this a thing? <laughs> but, I mean, I guess thanks to Netflix for finally answering whether I have to watch the whole trilogy. Actually, Godfather 2 is probably the best one. Well, see, give Godfather 2 a chance. Oh, yeah. There's another three hours of my life <laughs> that will be gone. <laughs> Speaking of three-hour movies, that yeah. was, yeah. And, I mean, I've heard that it's better, and now I'm now I'm in it, right? Now, once you start watching, like, a trilogy or a series on Netflix, you have to, right? Like, oh, like, kinda, I yeah. watched Ocean's Eleven one night. Now I gotta watch Ocean's 12 and 13 because I'm in it, Netflix. <laughs> so, yes, I will watch Godfather 2 and 3 because that, they're I in have, Netflix. I have friends who fell into Fast and Furious for the same reason. There well, I go. watched the first two. I, well, I'm, I'm in it now. Yeah. So I should watch the next six. Exactly. This is my life. Yep. <laughs> But yeah, it's. Uh, I was surprised, and I mean, there's always like the the generational stuff between some of the movies, right? Like, just movie making has changed, so there's always that. But I was shocked at how terrible it was, <laughs> <laughs> and like literally, like I'm watching it, and like, how much more is there? Oh, there's two more hours. Oh, good. <laughs> and then there's an hour or something where he just goes to Italy for a while, and his wife gets blown up, and it's never mentioned again. Yeah, it his kinda, first like, wife, because he eventually like weird, will get another one. Yeah, it's a deviation that doesn't seem to pay off in any sort of real way. I, I guess, that, like, I guess it adds texture to that character. It might in the book, yeah. but it certainly doesn't. In the, like, <laughs> unless I mean, if you read the book and then you watch me, be like, yeah, this—they're really capturing this relationship he has with somebody he just meets in Italy. Uh, Timeline-wise, because he still has a bruise on his face from something that happened in America, like a couple days later after he kills a dude. <laughs> Uh, or a couple of dudes. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> Way to go. You just ruined it. Yeah, I ruined Godfather. like a 40-year-old movie that everyone but me has already seen. <laughs> uh, yeah, it just they just go to Italy for a while. Wife gets blown up. Back to America. 
I think that's a thing, though, with like that era of filmmaking that they're super duper long, that nobody was editing, and there's all kinds of nightmare the, zooms. The auteur. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the heyday of American independent cinema. Yeah. One thing that I have trouble getting around with a lot of older films is, is the pace. Like, I watched um, uh, Planet of the Apes, and that is a slow movie. <laughs> One of my favorites, though. It really, yeah. But it is it, it's, pace like, wise, yeah. As far I didn't, I didn't hate the movie by any stretch, but it's just like it is sort of like it's, it's kind of like you got your time in the movie by a sundial. Like it just feels like everything's just going so <laughs> slow. They're walking through the desert for ages and stuff like that. So, I wonder if part of it is because, uh, like Scott, you were saying about Blade Runner and getting things hyped, that you kind of know, like even watching The Godfather for the first time, like not completely surprised but to a surprising amount like the things that happen in it and certain quotes and certain scenes it's like i already knew them all right or they've been ripped off or parried in and so many other things since then that like when you're watching those movies that are from a slower pace of movie making you're kind of like let's get to the thing that i know is coming like or let's get to the payoffs because like there has to be a payoff here right if everyone loves this yeah yeah, and that's it's pro- that's probably not a great way to watch a movie either. Um, sort of like, well, this is a classic, and I've and I must appreciate this. So like, you have that sort of that expectation of yourself going into the movie. Yeah, and why then, am I such a heathen yeah, that I'm not enjoying this? But I have the same problem with Citizen Kane. Yeah, Citizen Kane is arguably one of the best movies ever made. I think that uh, Orson Welles is a genius director. Was a genius director. Uh, I appreciate the artistry and the technical masterpiece that it was, but I don't like the movie. Yeah. Like, I don't like it. And I recognize that in some movie circles that would be heresy to say that out loud, but I don't. I, I can understand that it's a good movie, like from a technical standpoint, I just don't care for it. It's hard to compare against modern stuff, right? We're so yeah. spoiled from watching so many, having access to watch so many things that no matter how iconic a film was, it's hard to go back and be like, yeah, this is as good as Breaking Bad. Sure. Why yeah. not? Yeah. It's yeah. like basically like, you know, if you were, if you could time travel and go back to, you know, the 1920s and stuff like that and like, and try and appreciate the, the culture, like <laughs> it would just feel so weird just being, in the, it's, it, it's almost like culture shock in a way. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I did watch Chinatown too. It was it was in Netflix at one point, and I thought it held up. And like, yes, the pacing is is different, and there's those movie making techniques that have uh, I think gotten better. But I still like sort of Scott. You're talking about like appreciating a lot of the aspects of the film. I got that, and I think it still held up. But I think a lot of them don't. But I guess at the same time, I guess maybe we can't expect that they will. Yeah. Well, speaking of appreciating things, Scott. We should appreciate our sponsor. That's right. Uh, We should talk about ATB Cares. It's a great idea. Uh, Basically, the way it works is you donate to your favorite charity on atbcares.com, and ATB covers the fees and adds 15% to your donation. Uh, In 2017, over $4 million was donated to charity through ATB Cares. Obviously, they want to do better because that's how it works. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, if you have a charity that you want to support, you should go to ATB Cares. Uh, and uh, take care of it through them, and uh, that way your favorite charity gets a little bit extra on top of it. So uh, ATB, pretty great, big supporters of the Alberta Podcast Network, and uh, you should give them a little bit of love in return. Is it weird to say that I'm a fan of ATB Cares? Is that okay? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I am. I You're love pandering. the program. <laughs> and, like, sometimes when you hang out with ATB people, they have ATB Cares cards, and they, like, they'll give that to people, you know, as gifts and things to and just help support stuff so i think it's fun yeah very cool i want to talk about star trek scott he's been 
bursting to talk about Star Trek since I basically started talking about Blade Runner. Like, no word of a lie. He was just about to start in on Star Trek, and I cut him off. People and just stole the trajectory of the podcast. They can't see this, but he's currently dressed as a Klingon, but earlier was dressed as just one of the crew members, and he's got, like, two more costume changes behind him. He's just quick changing. That's right. Just like every time we switch topics, I don't, he's changing. I don't think our listeners really appreciate how much technical work goes into the visual aspects of this podcast. <laughs> like Greg's that they costume, never get an opportunity to appreciate. Some say I'm crazy. The costume and set design <laughs> budget is, is, is incredible. Greg yeah. is very much a method podcaster. He goes all in and he just wants to embody what's going on. And I appreciate that. I respect that about him. Uh, do our listeners appreciate it as much as we do live in the studio? Maybe not. Yeah, I can't not say. As, not, as hear much, it. not as much as they should. I think it comes through, though. When I, I listen, yeah, when I listen, I can hear it. You can hear the outfits. <laughs> I can hear the, the millions of dollars that have been spent. It's <laughs> where all that ATB money is going. That's right. <laughs> I still want us to talk about Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought that would distract him. <laughs> he can't. He can't. I got to... <laughs> He's got to get it off get his chest. Out. So the, so the uh, CBS uh, has launched a new Star Trek, the first new Star Trek in uh, a decade, over a in decade, a I guess. Generation. <laughs> oh. See what he did. I'm there. walking out now. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Not everybody. Uh, they've released it in a strange way because it is on. Uh, they released the first two episodes on their TV network, but now the rest of it is on something called CBS Go or. Whatever. I don't isn't, know what they call it. <laughs> isn't Space Channel still airing it in Canada? Yeah, though? in Canada is quite a bit different. But they're, so they're... we Canadians could appreciate it. And they're still, <laughs> they're still airing it on the actual channel in Canada. So it's... Yeah, I think it's just... I think it airs a little bit later. I'm not that, sure if it that would airs on the same sure. night, but... So it's a whole mess of, like, deals to, like, broadcast it here in this way and this way and that way. <laughs> I'm sure that's never going to bite them. Yeah... I mean, we can have another conversation about delivery models. I guess I not, maybe I shouldn't even brought it up because I want to talk about Star okay. Trek. <laughs> Scott, what did you think of Discovery so far? Uh, it's okay. Um, I've only seen the first two episodes as of us recording this. I will clarify. I've not watched the third episode, which I know is out. Um, it's very actiony. Um, it's got a different aesthetic, which I don't necessarily hate. I kind of like the new look for the Klingons. I'm not going to lie, my knee-jerk reaction is. I don't like it because it's different, but then on a deeper reading, I was like, I kind of like that it's different. Um, there were definitely things I enjoyed about it, but I don't know if it feels Star Trek-y enough for me. Yeah, that's definitely a problem, and I, f- I actually feel like the aesthetic is part of the reason for that, to be honest. And, and the first, the, the, the pilot episodes were, uh, you know, they were shot very poorly, I would say. Uh <laughs> Like the the camera never stops moving. Um, it's the there's uh, a lot of J.J. Abrams lens flares going <laughs> on, and and when the camera is moving and there's that much going on, uh, you know, aesthetically, uh, it, it makes like the dialogue scenes feel too intense. Like it's just two characters just trying to get to know each other, and yet we're at like a kilted angle, and or or the camera swirling around the characters, and like just stop, just just. Let us, 
you know, learn about the characters and just understand who they are. I don't need, it, no, it doesn't have to be that intense. It makes me, it puts me on edge. Yeah. There was another TV show that did that to me recently was The Defenders, Marvel's Defenders, where the camera just would never stop. They kept like, they, they really like the uh, the circling around. Oh, I hate the, that. Uh, the character just like, whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. <laughs> like, it's like, so I'm getting sick. Because they did it that one time in the Avengers movie where they all started gathering in the middle of the yeah, street. And yeah, yeah. Everything. Yeah, let's have the hero moment constantly. <laughs> That's what we want to do. Everyone will love it. Yeah. I haven't watched the new Star Trek yet, but I've, I've read some stuff about Sacrilege. it. Sacrilege. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, Sacrilege. <laughs> I was going to say, I'll you be. could tell me anything about it. You guys You'd could be like, be, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good plot point. <laughs> but it, Scott, you, you raised a good point, and I've seen some other discussion about this and read a few articles about it, about the, the aesthetic or the sort of space that they're in. Um that, you know, it's not in that sort of peaceful universe yet. And so that obviously gives them some different play. Um, and that's an interesting discussion. But, I mean, I wonder if it's also a, a point to say, well, can Star Trek ever be a little bit different and still be Star Trek? Or does it have to fit the aesthetic and the the plot and the pacing? Yes, because Star Trek Deep Space Nine was different and is the best Star Trek. Uh, controversial statement. Okay. Very controversial. That's wrong. <laughs> That doesn't sound controversial. <laughs> From my understanding of the Star Trek world, the Deep Space Nine thing is a little bit of an outlier as being the best. It, so, Deep Space Nine took you know. a lot of the, um, I'm going to say tropes from the next generation and deconstructed them a little bit. And that's why it gets a lot of criticism for being the least Star Trekky Star Trek, at least until now. Uh, and it's because they weren't on a starship. They were on a space station. You got more time with a lot of secondary and tertiary characters to examine those relationships. You got to spend more time with aliens outside of the Federation who had different opinions of the Federation that we got to understand. Yeah. You got to see the cost of living in a utopia from the fringes of the utopia and what happens when that utopia faces an existential threat yeah. and is it willing to bend or break in order to fight it. And that's what made it so compelling for me. And that's why it does get some criticism for being a little less Star Trekky, because Next Generation and TOS were very hopeful and very utopian and what have you. So Yeah, I think I think part of the reason for like part of the reason that it doesn't feel as Star Trekky to me is um just the, the, the war angle. Um you know, it really it they tend they spend a lot of time exploring the the real dark side of humanity. Which traditionally, you know, uh, Star Trek is about the bright side of humanity. So that that's probably where it takes a little bit of dive. Not that I, I, I love Deep Space Nine. It's great. But I also acknowledge that it's not necessarily the best Star Trek series. Yeah, this is so interesting because, yeah, it gets to that point. Like, to be Star Trek-y, does it have to be like the original series of Next Generation? And when people go off of that, and sometimes they go well off of that, like the movies... Um, which some most of them probably shouldn't be called Star Trek movies, <laughs> um, because the way you were describing the edge of the Federation is like, well, that would have made a great part of that third movie. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting because there is that aesthetic and that hope uh, that feeds those two Star Trek series, yeah. even though they're ahead in time of where this new Star Trek is. That to some to some degree, I guess that does make it like Star Trek that you're kind of looking for those stories and that uplift. Uh, if I may borrow a phrase from another podcast, The Greatest Generation, 
uh, with Ben Harrison and Adam Pranica. A great Star Trek podcast worth checking out. They're just finishing Star Trek The Next Generation going into Deep Space Nine, as a matter of fact. And they do have a side project where they're working on Discovery as well, Greatest Discovery. Cool. So I'll plug that as well. Free plugs for The Greatest Generation. <laughs> and uh, a, a little tip of the hat to Samantha Power for getting me into it. But... Uh, Adam Pranica describes it as Star Trek is a place and you can tell a good Star Trek story can take place in that place. And it can be about something that happens in Star Trek without being about Star Trek, I guess would be the best way to put it. And I think that that's kind of what we're talking about there. It's like, can you tell a different story in Star Trek as a place without it being necessarily a Star Trek story? And I think that it's a robust enough property that it can do that honestly so yeah i think there's a lot of space within star trek to tell all kinds of different stories and i, I it's just the um, like the uh, the core values of of star trek is sort of what makes it feel like a real star trek series like there's there's a certain altruism to the federation that's been a through line through most of the the uh the trek series um except for obviously um dj abrams and <laughs> And, and potentially Star Trek Discovery. I'm not too sure. We'll find out. Uh, but, you know, that that that's part of what makes it feel so hopeful for me. It's like, even though the characters go through a lot of trials and tribulations and, you know, they may falter, there's always that effort to do the best, make the best possible decision. And often that's where most of the tension and conflict in Star Trek comes from, is that a, a challenge, like a, a premise is introduced that challenges you know, the morals of, of the characters uh, and they have to make a usually have to make a tough choice. And that's the best. That's when for me, that's when Star Trek is at its best. And it doesn't really matter, you know, what the what the story is. So so much is just like how the characters are handling it. Now, if you are concerned that Star Trek Discovery is not Star Trek enough for you, there is another Star Trek show out right now, <laughs> and it is called The Orville. And it is by Seth MacFarlane of Family Guy fame and it is very star trekky in a way that i don't think discovery is yet necessarily i'm willing to say that discovery might get there yeah but uh, the first couple episodes were very actiony and not very science fictiony yeah whereas the orville is very star trek the next generation like seth mcfarland clearly loves star trek the next generation and wanted to make star trek the next generation and while the orville does have different characters obviously and does have some irreverent humor in it uh and the characters are very much like here's people who work in space as opposed to heroic the heroic bridge crew um the show hits all the right star trek notes it's visually very star trek uh it's paced very star trek the plots are very star trek go to a planet meet a weird people learn a valuable lesson like it's and it's been getting some praise from a lot of Star Trek fans who are like, this is more Star Trek to me than Star Trek Discovery. And I get it. I watched the first couple episodes and it absolutely does. It's hitting all those Star Trek notes really well. So if you're concerned your Discovery is not Star trek enough, maybe give the Orville a try. It's not an out of control family guy obnoxious comedy, even though some of the trailers were kind of intimating that was the case. It's pretty subdued, actually. And uh uh, might be worth giving a try. I have a layperson's question for you guys. Sure. So I am not a big science fiction person, uh, and I don't even know if I've ever seen like anything but old school Star Trek. When you're using the term Star Trekky, I feel like I'm getting two different meanings from both of you. So when That's you're saying possible. Star Trekky, are you saying that it has like um, an emotion or an optimistic underpinning? 
Yes. And so that's your criteria for it being Star Trekky? More or less, yeah. There's some other things in there, but yeah, that would be the the main thrust. Uh, for the record, I'm using it also in that way, but also in a broader sense, uh, because it does have the same kind of emotional underpinning to it, but it also looks like a like a TNG series. Okay. Like it's got the right color palette. It's got the right. Yeah. It's shot the same it's way. It's shot flat yeah. and boring. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> but that kind of works for it the does. type of television. It, it does. Is. It does. I was really happy with the third episode of uh, Star Trek Discovery because they toned back the camera work like a hundred, like a thousand percent. Like <laughs> the it's cinematographer just like, got a talking to. Yeah, I think so. Either that or it was just shot by someone completely different. Impossible. Who, yeah, who wasn't like a student filmmaker. <laughs> Burn. That, Take that, that guy. I don't whose remember name I don't know. who it was. Or was girl. It, it wasn't yeah. uh, it, like someone of renown that shot the first episode. I think so. Yeah, yeah. probably. <laughs> We're nothing if not jerks here. <laughs> have some notes. Our entire premise is that we 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 from we our from our comfortable armchairs okay. we fix their movies for them. I'm sure no one in in Hollywood would ever appreciate what we do. <laughs> no, at all. Not. What a thankless job you have. We are not making friends right no. now. No. Nope. So uh, what uh, what pop culture goodness have you guys been into lately? I'm perpetually 10 years behind pop culture, and so I've only recently gotten into a lot of British television that people have been telling me for the last 10 years I should watch. Like what? I'm in the second season of Doctor Who, uh, but I recently discovered Peep Show, which, if you don't know it, is a sitcom that is in the tradition of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. It's actually like, I think it even predates It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, but it's the same kind of humor, and it is phenomenal. I watched nine seasons in like four days. (laughs) That is some dedicated binge watching. Yeah. Right there. <laughs> <Christ>. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, British television series tend to be short. They're it is. Short. There's only uh, six episodes a season. But still. Go. Oh, yeah. I forgot so about that. I'm thinking of like our 24 episodes <laughs> a season. <laughs> Sally watched two like, episodes of television <laughs> in four days. She didn't move. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to do that with friends. She just had a bucket of food and another bucket. <laughs> For Pooping we don't need to say why. You need to say why, Frank. <laughs> because the other bucket could have been for anything, Jeff. Sure. I don't want to leave of... anything to the imagination. <laughs> you're I want to make a sure. Word picture. I mean, yeah, I'm trying to make sure that the audience knows what it is you're describing. <laughs> uh, speaking of kind of darkly hilarious British comedies and Doctor Who at the same time, <laughs> uh, there's a Peter Capaldi series called uh, The Thick of It. Oh yeah. Uh, which I went out of my way to purchase for an exorbitant price at an HMV uh, and it is fantastic it is the it's I'm going to call it the precursor series to Veep if you like Veep you will like the thick of it it's very British but it's very much in the same vein as being about politics but like the gritty reality of being in politics and Peter Capaldi is absolutely the star of that show as Malcolm Tucker and it is hilarious Check it out. The guy that created that, whose name I can't remember. Who created Veep as Who well. created yeah. Veep. But the other thing I've fallen into is British panel shows. Oh. But like old British. So I'm totally up to date on like British politics and pop culture circa like 2008. <laughs> but that guy whose name I can't remember is delightful on panel shows. Oh. He's very, very clever. If we could remember his name, we'd totally seek it out. But the hell is his name? Isn't it Yes, make... Armando Iannucci. There you go, yeah. <laughs> Uh, we should probably say goodbye, I guess, and uh, move on to uh, to our, our full episode. To the main that, event. That'll come out in a couple weeks. Uh, well, in that case, uh, Jeff and Sally, do you have anything you want to plug for our listeners really quick? Nope. <laughs> so, there you go. 
Sally's too busy watching British television. Uh, I'll plug uh, my online magazine, Edmonton Quotient, edmontonquotient.com. It's all about Edmonton. All right, then. <laughs> uh, and, of course, you can... I was kind of expecting like, a longer I'm like, oh, pitch. God, did I do that wrong? Oh, You're like... staring at me. <laughs> we just thought you might have more to add. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at I Have Some Notes. If you like the show, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes because that's always very, very helpful. Um, you should also check out some of the other members of the Alberta Podcast Network, of which we are a member. Uh, we've been talking about it a lot this episode. We'll be talking about it a lot again in future episodes. Uh, you should also check out some of the other podcasts like Adam Rosenhart's The Expats. You might remember Adam from the uh, Star Trek Generations episode. Uh, also my former co-host on The Unknown Studio and a gazillion other things. He is a man about town in Edmonton. He's got his fingers in many delicious pies. On the expats, Adam's... Ch- uh, Adam's. <laughs> on the expats, Adam chats with Canadian expats uh, living abroad, talking about their experiences living in other countries uh, as a Canadian, as an Edmontonian in some cases. And uh, it's really interesting and fascinating. Uh, listen, you should definitely check it out. Uh, our show and others from the network broadcast on G Radio. You can find it at gradio.ca. And, of course, as we mentioned before, you can also hear us on the CKUA radio app. You can download it from your Apple App Store or wherever fine podcasts can be found. Yeah. Our next episode will be either Waterworld or uh, what's the other one we we're going to do for Halloween? <laughs> Some horror movie. Wicker Man. Wicker Man. There That's right. Jeez, I should have <laughs> I should have wrote that down before I tried to pitch it. So either be Waterworld or, or Wicker Man. It kind of depends on our scheduling. Uh, we're hoping to get Wicker Man in uh, just for uh, Halloween. So uh, listen in and uh, yeah, we'll let you know. Either, on... <laughs> either we'll be swimming with Costner or screaming the bees. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Keep watching the skies. <laughs>